0: Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people, you know, that proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, I have a question for you. Should self-interest motivate service? Let me repeat that. Should self-interest motivate service? Hmm. Well, I have a person who wishes to discuss that with me. His name is Patrick Galvin, and he just wrote an amazing book about the four-way test and business called The Trusted Way. I uh, found a little time to talk to Patrick from that faraway city of uh, Portland, Oregon, just a few hours south of me. We're going to talk rotary business the four-way test, how to incorporate them, and uh, if our service should be self-motivating. Hmm, interesting, huh? Join me, won't you? The conversation starts right now. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It is so wonderful to have you. I have a new friend, but he's not from so far away. Speaking, I come to you from Washington State. Patrick Galvin is coming from uh, Oregon, not Oregon. That would be something in your body, but Oregon. The <laughs> Thank state, you for that. <laughs> there you go. That's just south of my state, the beautiful state of Oregon and the fabulous city of Portland. Shout out to Portland and my family and friends that are there. Patrick, thank you for joining me today talking about books and the four-way test.
1: Well, thank you, Gwen. This is so fun to have an audience of kindred spirits.
0: Yay! I know we got we got we got all the moss-covered people here on the show today, which is which is really kind of nice. But as this is being recorded, I don't know about Portland, but it's like a beautiful 75 here and would be and sunny, but we'll tell everybody it's rainy. No, we're,
1: we're not supposed to tell them that. Remember? Yeah, sorry.
0: It's rain. It's <laughs> rain. We're all depressed. Yes. <laughs> Pacific Northwest, rainy, depressed people. Right. Well, I want to talk about your book because that's what we have you on for. And I want to talk about, which is called uh, the trusted way. And we're going to talk about the four-way test and we're going to talk about your Ted talk that has the most awesome title to it. Uh, But we got to, we got to do those regular kind of questions in there too. And uh, to get those regular questions out of the way, tell me about your rotary story. How do you know, how, how did you become a Rotarian Patrick and welcome to the show?
1: Well, thank you. I, first learned of Rotary when I was graduating from college. I went to Georgetown University, and I desperately wanted to go overseas to practice my Portuguese. And at the time, Rotary had the (laughs) ambassadorial scholarship program. And I applied when I was a senior in college. And I got a Full scholarship to go to the University of Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, to study wow. history and political science. So without that, I never would have gone and I'd learned Portuguese and had some wonderful experiences there. And uh I was so grateful uh to Rotary for having given me that opportunity that I said, I, I think I could join these guys someday. This this makes sense. Well, it took Can me... I I need
0: to interrupt you by saying, yeah. Why did you why did you want to learn Portuguese? I mean, that isn't. Is it all about Brazil? Is it all about learning Portuguese? What? Uh,
1: yeah. Oh, I I was born in Brazil, so my my oh, dad worked. Well, for you sound
0: a- just like somebody born. Yeah. Your- <laughs> <laughs> my
1: my my dad worked for the U.S. Agency for International Development, so gotcha. I only okay. lived there as a baby. I never learned the language, but you know, one is curious at that where you popped into the world. Where and you came it from, was exactly. Brazil, and I thought well, I want to go back there, and I'm very interested in the culture and the food and the history. So it just seemed like. Uh, a a fabulous opportunity.
0: Awesome. Okay. So back to your story, you became, you went to Brazil.
1: I went to Brazil. Yes. And I went to some Rotary Club meetings in Sao Paulo, not very many. Uh, They were more of the standoffish variety at the time. I wasn't a business person and it was really a a men's business club. So I didn't quite fit in. And maybe because of that, uh, I didn't rush to join because I still wasn't in that cadre when I finished my experience in Brazil. But I, I thought, boy, this is a great organization. I saw they were doing some wonderful things. Uh, it took me a while to join, though. I didn't join Rotary until 2012, so it was about a 24-year hiatus <laughs> between being a Rotary Exchange student and then becoming a, a member. And there's about 60,000 of us in the in the Rotary world, alumni of the exchange programs, and wow. we should have more alumni. Uh, exchange students in Rotary uh, because I think we're primed to think this is a wonderful organization because it provided an opportunity that was so fabulous.
0: Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's an excellent point. It it is kind of amazing that, you know, we're, we're, I think that the ambassador program is getting back underway again after COVID and this, this interesting years that we've been having here. Um, 60,000 doesn't seem a lot. 60,000
1: it's, it's actually bigger than any other exchange company in the world you know there's youth for understanding and asec right. but that's a pretty big alumni network and um you know i don't know if my numbers are off by a little bit but i think they're pretty close based on what i saw recently but that's a pool of people that any club that has an exchange program make sure you stay in touch with those students invite them back have them present and then don't think that they are not interested because they don't join right up. Keep in mind your long-term list of people who you want to invite back periodically because you have a great pool and I'm speaking from experience here yeah. of potential
0: members. Well, they had to be somewhat interested if and and no rotary if they were willing to be supported by rotary to go across the across the world. Absolutely. So you had that 20-year hiatus <laughs> and you know, I can understand if you were not in in the business world In uh, Brazil to join then. So, what made you want to join now?
1: Well, when we moved, my my wife and I moved to Portland. We didn't have um, kids when we moved here. Uh, I definitely felt a little disconnected from the city that I'm living in and that Mm. our clients are all over the world. We didn't have any clients in Portland. And Mm. I saw Rotary as being a great way to connect with my local community and to contribute and to give back and to serve. And uh, I have not been disappointed. It has been fantastic for that.
0: So it. So, what do you do then when you're not? What do you do outside of Portland then? So what is oh, your what is your job?
1: Uh, so I have a company that's a learning and development company, and we uh-huh. help businesses grow trust based relationships. Uh, so I travel a lot to speak. Uh, we coach uh, large organizations and we have coaches that help us with that uh, all over the country. Uh, we've worked internationally so it's a lot of travel. Uh, Oregon's a relatively small state. Portland is not a huge economy so you know the bigger companies tend to be outside of my immediate vicinity.
0: Yes a- Amazon came up to up here to Seattle yeah, got, the, the, didn't didn't go to you guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just wish Jeff had just driven a little bit farther to the south. That would have been. Well, really... I don't
0: know. I don't know. Uh, why well, that, that's, that's another that's, discussion that's right there. That's you another can know. of worms, right? Yeah. You never know. So then you've been in Rotary and uh, you've, you've joined now after that 20 some odd year hiatus. Uh, you are the Rotary of Portland, as we talked to beforehand. How many members are in the Rotary of Portland? Tell we are a Rotary it. Club.
1: Number 15. So we were uh, chartered in 1910. We've got about 225 to 30 members, uh, which makes us the largest club in Oregon, which sounds very impressive. But like many large clubs, we're down from our days of six, 700 members from 25, 30 years ago. Uh, But we've got a nice base and we're doing some really cool things to, uh, to revivify ourselves. So that's actually been very exciting.
0: Why do you think we're down from, you know, even you know, we've had the opportunity we were talking about before we started recording that we've talked to uh Seattle Four and we've talked to I've talked to, you know, the the Rotary Club of Johannesburg that just had their centennial celebration. And these are clubs that had two, three, four hundred uh members, if not more, twenty some odd years ago are are civics organizations just not cool anymore? Why, why do you think we're down to, not that not the 250th shake is, is that bad. I mean, like I said, I've got 30 in mind, 35 in mind. So it's like.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, I, it's really just, it's, it's not a single thing. Um, I think civic engagement is lower. There's more competition. There's a lot of groups out there. Uh, back in the day, if you were uh, working for certain types of company in Portland, certain banks, certain insurance companies, certain large organizations. Rotary is kind of a checkbox activity for some of the corporate uh. executives where they would actually just have kind of an ongoing membership. And they might rotate you know, who their participant was. But there were certain organizations that as part of being a member of the community mm-hmm. in sort of good standing, you would want to have a Rotarian in your group. Um, what we've experienced in our city is you know, small to medium-sized businesses have been growing, but we haven't attracted a lot of big companies. Right. And when it comes to small and medium-sized, you know, Rotary does have um, a time commitment. I think is probably the hardest one for us to deal with where people are really busy and we're mm-hmm. competing with everything from their Netflix to, um, you know, the timbers and sporting right. activities and other things. It's really just getting a piece of their mind uh, to get them engaged in, well, what is Rotary? Why should I join? That's hard. Yeah. Um, so I think that we need to update ourselves to make sure that we are really appealing to what um, a modern person in the 21st century is looking for, as opposed to somebody in 1920 uh, right. when membership was easy. To, it was easy to get members of the Rotary Club of Portland because it was just something that you should join. And people knew that.
0: So uh, you said uh, you had... a. Uh- uh, this group, this 250 or so membered Portland group that's doing great things. Um, what's your it thing? Then, what's something that you've done at this group that when you think about it, it makes you put a smile on your face and you're like, OK, that's how come I'm a Rotarian because we did blank. What's that? Well, what's that I, I like?
1: the thing I'm most proud about our club is that we have realized that we need to um have an infusion of energy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And about six years ago, we had the youngest president in our club's history. And he went to a big club conference that Rotary held and heard about what San Antonio was doing with their Rotary club. They were bringing Mm -hmm. in cohorts of younger people as a class once a year. And I was in membership. And when he told me about this idea, I was thinking, is that going to fly? Can that really work? And I have to admit, I wasn't thinking this was such a brilliant idea, because it just seemed like it's young people rotary, like they come and they see all this gray hair, it's going to really work. And it's worked. So mm. I am really proud that if you were to come to a Rotary Club of Portland meeting, you would see a lot of people under 40. You would see a lot of people really enthusiastic about service opportunities. And we didn't invent it, but we've leaned heavily into what best practices are. And now when a young person joins, they can join any time. Uh, they come in as a class and the class starts in September and they have social opportunities to engage with one another. They've done cool things like they get to meet with the mayor, only the younger Rotarians, which makes some of the oldsters a little bit mad. But it's I know, great... I'd,
0: be, I'd be bummed. Yeah, I like it's your a... mayor.
1: <laughs> well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for them. They have little tours. So the idea is, you know, you want the, the fellowship, you want the camaraderie, right. and then they come up with their service projects. Um, and then they agree that when they come in, they're going to be a co-chair of a committee. We've got like 22 committees in our club. So Mm -hmm. it gets people immediately engaged in club activities. And that is so important because we know from all the research we've done that just paying your dues is not enough to keep you a member. You have to be really engaged. So engaging people socially, making them engage on committees has been really good. So I'm very proud that our club has done something that I think a lot of big clubs um, are a little jealous of. And yeah, it's I
0: would, I would say so. And now these are not Rotaractors. These are Rotarians.
1: Yeah. For the most part, they were not Rotaractors. They okay. had no experience. And the biggest recruiters are the people from the preceding classes. So we're in year five and most of the new cadre that comes in are, you know, friends and professional connections of the existing cadres because you tend to hang out with people who, you know, similar age, what have Absolutely, you. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yep. So
0: yep. you say these classes. So let's say because I have I have a daughter in her 30s. I she sees all the stuff I do on Rotary. She thinks it's really cool. She subscribes to the podcast and that's really nice. But what is this class? Like she would, you know, does she have to go get a, a workbook and her pencil? And <laughs> Well, you, Sit with you, their t- number two pencil and take yeah. classes? No, no. I'm, I'm not understanding. Well, I don't know. That doesn't sound appealing to me, but it's no, obviously well,
1: working. May, maybe I used the wrong word. We call it okay. a cohort too. So okay. it's a group. It's a group. And, and group. there's no study required. Um, okay. Some people call like, it a is
0: class. Is there a test? Okay. No number two pencils needed. No
1: number two pencils. Just a, a number one commitment to uh, you know be part of an organization that's doing good in the world. And it really is... Um, pretty remarkable how, what
0: are some of the things you guys teach in this class? Do you teach like the history of rotary? Do you teach? Well, it's talked about, but
1: let's move away from the word class and just call them a cohort. It's not like we're instructing them. They are, they are participants and they're really learning from the committees that they serve on. So each younger okay. member's experience is going to be different depending on what service angle they went into. And we've got all sorts of different types of committees from you know homeless solutions to wheels of power, which is providing uh, mobilized wheelchairs at no cost to individuals. We've got international service, community grants. I mean, we're so split up that what's great is they can choose their own avenue. And based on the avenue they choose, their experience is going to be different.
0: So cohort. It could almost be like a mentorship kind of thing as well. Is that another word we could use well, to describe?
1: It's interesting. So I have been a mentor for three different people um, over the last five years. Okay. And they get to choose who in their club who in the club they want to have be a mentor. So the prospective mentors put their names in, and then they can look at our backgrounds, our rotary backgrounds, our professional backgrounds. And I found that the ones who select me usually have some. Interest in what I do professionally. So they see me gotcha. not only as a rotary mentor, but potentially as a business mentor, which is another huge benefit for the participants, the younger participants in the group is that get to know somebody right, who is right. you know farther along in their career. So I think it's a wonderful thing. I think rotary should adopt it, you know, across all clubs because it is it's very powerful.
0: Well, and it it there we gotta get rid of that 20-year span that you were talking about. Yeah, that's that, you know, time. Here we've sent out, you know, this these these young people across the world, literally. And, uh, I mean, we had one that we sponsored that went to South Korea and now she's graduated from high school and I'm still dear friends with her parents, but there she is. She's off. She's not a part of Rotaract. She's not a part of, and it, you know, it's like, I just feel like she got away.
1: <laughs> well, I wouldn't say no, I would just say not yet. So I'm not a good yet. example of that. There you go. And I think we just can't forget people. We have to remember that, you know, life has cycles and in that 20 to 30 range, you know, it just might not fit the overall picture of what they're doing, but we should right. certainly stay connected to them. And remember that, you know, it's no is not no is not no right forever. And no is like in this moment in time it's not right for that former exchange student, but look at me. I mean, a lot of people then we'll sort of come around to the idea.
0: Yeah, you might. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we came to talk about your book. Thank you. Uh, and uh, we came to talk about uh, we so we have you as a Rotarian, a Portlandier, and you're very proud of that. And that's great. But you also decided to write a book and you are a business professional. So I, it's I think it is safe to say that your book, is, the book is called The Trusted Way. And it's, the, working with the four-way test and business. So tell us about the book and why do you, why you wanted to write it.
1: Yeah. So this book is a second book in a series. So it's a trilogy. And the first book I wrote was a business parable about how you build business relationships. I started writing a nonfiction handbook about that. And uh, it wasn't a good sign that 10 pages into that book, I was bored. And I realized that it's not a good sign if you're an author and you're bored with your own book. And I decided I needed to tell it in the format of a story. And fortunately, business audiences in the U.S. like that format. Mm -hmm. So I was able to take all these rules about relationship building in this book called The Connector's Way and then tell them through a story somebody who wasn't building his business through relationships. And actually there are Rotarians in that book. I can't get away from Rotary. It's actually in both my books. (laughs) And and he learns a relationship-centric approach to growing his business. And the book's been out for five years, sold about 40,000 copies. It's resulted in speaking all over the place. And it's interesting. A lot of people read that book and extracted the lessons so they could apply them in their own business Careers and Mm -hmm. some were have been highly successful doing that, and others honestly struggled. And when I started talking to people about where the struggles were, I learned that a lot of folks go immediately to sort of how do I get successful? You know, what do I need to do to get great transactions going on? But they weren't thinking about the foundation of relationship,
0: which is they want to know who the murderer is, so they read the last paragraph instead of going through (laughs) the whole thing, you know. Colonel mustard in the such and such as opposed to <laughs> learning the whole thing. Yeah. No, I, exactly. I, I've been guilty. Go ahead. <laughs> so,
1: something, so, something along those lines. So I realized that the folks who were doing really well with relationship building could succeed with tactics because people don't perceive themselves being manipulated by them. The whatever it is, talking about the, the product or service that they're offering or how they can deliver what it is that they're promising, there's there's an acceptance of these tactical things they're doing because there's a foundation of trust. Right. And we do not study trust and think about trust enough in our country. I think regardless of your politics, I think we live in a very trust challenged age and that's mm. in politics, it's in business. And I really thought it was important to have this conversation about trust. And when I think about my own professional experience and how I've been impacted by the four-way test and how I wish I had been exposed to it earlier, I thought, well, this is fantastic. Here uh, is this thing that was developed in 1932 Right. In the height of the Great Depression, and the guy Herbert Taylor came up with it. This is before Twitter, but 24 words is pretty darn close to a tweet. I mean, you right. can remember this. Yeah, it, it, it engages your mind, and now you actually have something that you can use as a filter to put on when you're making critical decisions before you do things, before you even think things or, or say them to others. You have a filter. And we can get into the different aspects of that filter if you want, but I think that it is something that is really a huge piece of wisdom that I think as Rotarians we can take it for granted because I know I went to business school. I've talked to a lot of people who've gone to business school. You might study ethics, but it's very convoluted, really academic. And a couple years out, do you remember anything from the course? Right. Mm, I should. I, I certainly can't recall very much. So I thought, well, the four-way test is a, is a simple yardstick that, that, that can be used, should be used. And uh, it's made a difference for me. And I've talked to many Rotarians who have wonderful four-way test stories.
0: Well, and we all, if we, I would say the 90% of us know the story and it was a businessman who wrote it and how he wished to run his business that way. Um, But what's interesting is that you're saying because of this four-way test, we should be trusted or we should be more trusting because of the four-way test. Does that make sense? Well,
1: I think it works both ways. Um, I mean, I, I think that if we, if we want to be trusted, I think we have to, to really think about things from that, that wider angle than we tend to when we're, when we're making decisions. And I believe that when we think about what does it take to be a trusted individual, um, People are going to trust us more, and then we're also using that measurement on the people that we're working with. So there might be people who we will decide not to go into business with, or have have uh, have uh, business dealings with because we don't we don't think they meet that standard. And it could certainly help us from avoiding some difficult situations. So I think it works internally. I think it also works externally in who we decide to actually be connected with.
0: Should every Rotarian be trusted? Because we have this. Motive of the four-way test. And I, and I know that's, that's the question. And I'm like, it's okay. You can send your hate mail, RotarianPod at gmail.com. But you're kind of implying, are you not, that because we have this four-way test, Rotarians are then somehow uh, right people, right about business and should always be trusted.
1: No, I mean, I, I think I think I'm predisposed to trust Rotarian because okay. I take it at face value that they are joining an organization because they see an alignment of values. Um, gotcha. But I do believe that you can start from a place of trust. But if in the verification process, in getting to know that person, either through your Rotary work or professional dealings, if they don't stand the test just because they wear a Rotary pin, doesn't mean I trust them forever. Um, right. It's kind of like the trust, but verify. Um, I think starting from a place of trust is a great foundation for a good relationship because it's certainly better than starting from the other side. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to wear that just because they're a Rotarian. And I think we all have to stand that test um, internally first and feel like Mm -hmm. we are trusted people because people can – Perceive when you're not living in alignment with it, and I, I can perceive it. And I won't do business with someone just because they're a Rotarian uh, and they say the four way test. I want them to live the four way test. I want them to be the four way test.
0: So, how do you how do you personally live the four way test and be the four way test?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. Before I found out about it, um, I struggled with this. So, uh, I joined Rotary in 2012, at the Rotary Club of Portland, and I started my business in 2002. And in 2002, like a lot of people who start a company, uh, you know, you have great dreams and ambitions. You make these revenue forecasts that are very uh, overly optimistic. I very, first- I've, had, I've
0: made a couple of those. Man, I wish a couple of those had come true. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it, it, and that's good. It's great to be an optimist, but right. uh it can be very challenging when you're starting. So the very first client opportunity we had and at the time we were doing marketing services was a client that wanted to sign us up on a very generous retainer. Uh they told us about their product and it happened to be a vitamin that cured all these maladies. It was like this wonder vitamin. And we asked for for data about their product and they sent it to us. And we looked at it and the sample sizes were like seven people. Five of them said, oh yeah, it's great. I mean, really it really was not enough. <laughs> Aunt, uncle,
0: cousins, you <laughs> yeah, can exactly. get five people pretty it quickly, was, it yeah. Was
1: pretty, I, I wasn't a stats like whiz kid, but I knew that that, was, that sample size was not was representative great. of what that product could do. <laughs>
0: okay. You know,
1: and I'm not proud to admit this, I struggled. Cause they wanted to write a check. Like, should I, should I engage with this company? Mm. And I lost sleep for a couple of weeks. Now, if I was referring back to just the first principle of the four way test, you know, is it the truth? It's no, the truth. it really wasn't. Is it fair at all? Cause there's no, I mean, someone could take this product and not have it, you know, do them any better. I certainly Building
0: goodwill and better, well, better friendships. I don't know if the check cleared. Wrong.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe for my self interest, right. but I right. think here's the thing um, with the four way test, it is Kept us away from clients that I would have lost sleep over, and ultimately I would have been tarnished by my association with them. And um, I wish I had that in 2002 as opposed to learning it in 2012, 2012 when I joined right. my my club. So I mean, I think it is very uh, actionable.
0: So you use the four way test every every day. You've wrote written a book about the four way test. What is then? Then you've also done something which i thought was great and that is you've done a ted talk um as my it was a tedx yeah just for the people or the purists. there is a ted there's a tedx um i don't know if you knew this but my my uh partner uh knew richard saul worman who started ted oh, all wow. those years ago so ted in this household has been around for a very long time for uh uh technology entertainment and design a lot of people don't know what ted stands for Uh, but you did a tedx and your topic i had to say made me laugh and it was should self-interest motivate service
1: yes okay
0: should self-interest motivate service we've just kind of tickled the ivories a little bit about your book, but I had to say, when you've got a book called The Trusted Way and a TED Talk called Should Self-Interest Motivate Service, tell me how those two go together, because uh, it, yeah. seems, it seems like we're talking two ends of the world there on that one.
1: Really, not at all. Um, okay. so <laughs> my TED Talk was born... From a very frustrating experience I had on Rotary, I was membership chair of my club for two years in a row. I very confident about my marketing skills and thought, "Okay, this is going to be easy. I mean, I'm I've got the best thing in the I've got the best (laughs) thing in the world to self nonpartisan, only doing good stuff. You know, it's great. It's going to be so easy." And it didn't work out that way. Membership shrank when I was membership chair. It was humbling. And I realized that I was selling the good works of Rotary. I wasn't thinking about that person I was trying to bring into the club. I was thinking about, you know, all the good that we're doing locally, globally, what have you. And I realized that we are in a very competitive marketplace for people's time. And folks need to be need to be shown the advantage. And you talk to any Rotarian, I've listened to your podcast. I mean, almost to the person, they're going to say, yeah, you know, I've been on that committee or I've done this amazing thing, but I think I get so much more out of it than I've actually done with that project because it just makes me feel like I'm really engaged as a human being. So we all have those feelings as Rotarians, yet we're very remiss to talk about them. I think Rotary is the best kept secret in the world and we need to be willing to share... The self interested reasons why we're in Rotary and why we stay in Rotary, why we do what we do in Rotary, and why don't we talk about that more?
0: Brag more has come up a lot. It,
1: we need to brag like more. Has come
0: up a lot in in our, some of these podcasts. It's just like none of us brag. Yeah. So
1: so yes. Yeah. So my my answer to that, the TED Talk title is, should self interest motivate service, and I would say I want to say yes because you need people to engage. million members sounds like a lot, but we're in a world of 7 billion plus. We can't make that difference that we need to make as an organization without getting more people, more committed people. So the thing is, how do we bring them in? If we are selling altruism, that could have worked in the 1950s. But in 2021, when people have a lot more things going on, when they have to work 60 hours a week, you need to really approach them in a way that they're going to say, you know what, I could carve out some time for that. And it's worth think it. Of, it's worth it. I can right. see, I could see the benefit. And, you know, I am all about just getting people in. And ever since um I was membership chair, I'm much more interested in sharing my rotary story with my friends who I'm trying to get to come to the club when mm-hmm. people are visiting. And I wanna, I wanna hear what they're looking for and see if I have some alignment in my own experiences that would say, yeah, you know, you can achieve that sense of. Being connected to Portland, even if your clients aren't here. And here's Mm -hmm. how it worked for me. So I I I think we just need to change how we talk about things. And, you know, once they're in, we can talk about the four-way test in the trusted way, but they're not, they're not, um, they don't cancel each other out in any way. One is just kind of how do we get people in and engaged? And then once they're in and engaged, how do we really get them to, you know, understand the four-way test and hopefully utilize it in a way that they they get value out of?
0: so then if if I'm understanding you right, people want people want to serve mm-hmm. but they want to serve that makes them feel really good if I'm understanding it right yeah so-
1: there's a ton of science behind this. So there are so many physical and mental benefits of service. And in my Ted talk, which anyone could watch on YouTube, yeah, just we'll type put in my name. Link. Yep. Just put in my, put in my name on mm-hmm. YouTube. You can watch it. Um, I talk about my parents and they're not Rotarians, but they're both in their eighties and they're thriving because they are very engaged in their local community. And honestly, I have a rotary bent and I talk about that in my speech, but if someone decides to join another service organization mm-hmm. and they are really serving um, the benefit that they get in terms of longevity, quality of life, mental health, I mean, it's off the charts. There's just some, so, so much fascinating data about, you know, how people benefit yet that's not part of the typical pitch to a prospective Rotarian. And it, and it should be because it's, it's powerful. It's data driven and it's very, very compelling.
0: But do you have can you share with us some of that, data that you're talking you. You know about?
1: what? I have I am gonna misquote studies. <laughs> I, I want to geek out with the data. But I mean some of the things are like social engagement compared to like um uh people who it's it's more powerful than like quitting smoking. It's more it's more powerful than really? eating a healthy diet. Yeah I mean just there's tons of I mean it's just, it seems over the top. So I don't I don't have the facts and figures in front of me no, right but now. but I'm just saying
0: I'm but if I'm hearing you correctly you're saying like the endorphin rush. Now I I remember uh a, uh, a, a scientific study about doing helpful things. And, and it basically it was when you help somebody, let's say get a cereal box off the top shelf at the grocery store, not only are endorphins released in your body, endorphins are released in the person that you've helped their body. But if somebody actually witnesses it, endorphins are actually released in their body. So yeah. by doing one little kind gesture that didn't take you any time or energy you really gave you literally gave yourself a shot of feel good yeah. and two other people a shot of feel good yeah so, so it, uh,
1: yeah and also uh, dopamine is one of the things that, right. is, which is this mood elevating like neurotransmitter that we all have right and it's amazing i mean you can get the same lift from helping someone across the street than you can get from running 10 miles Exactly. And Honestly, for me, it's easier to walk across the street with someone than running 10 miles. So, you know, where do you choose to adjust your dopamine? So rotary is a wonderful dopamine infusion. And we need to talk about that. People don't know. We assume because we read that stuff that everyone knows it, but to then share it and then talk about actually how that manifests inside each one of us and tell that personal story. That's really compelling and interesting.
0: Well, and I think it's to our own demise. I mean, I, I have the, uh, the privilege of working with our, our president elect, Jennifer Jones on some upcoming stuff. And one of the things we had talked about, um, working with was, uh, a global citizen through, through rotary and global citizen, not too long ago said that they were the leading eradicator of polio and things got, Long story short, to all my listeners out there, things got fixed, especially when the World uh, Health Organization kind of stepped up for Rotary and said, actually, no, (laughs) (laughs) just letting you know, you know. Um, But I think the problem was that they had no idea that we had done so much polio work in their defense, if I would because we don't talk about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think I think. People need to get over feeling like they're bragging when they talk about or that they're egotistical when they talk about the benefits they get from being a Rotarian and realize that that is the story and the examples that people need to hear so that they make the time to join Rotary because that's really what we're competing. In, I think getting back to one of your original questions, you know, why is it that clubs are having a hard time not growing it? I think it's time. People have so many other things going on. Mm-hmm. whether it's entertainment diversions, whether it's family responsibilities, longer work hours, all these things that we need to cut to the chase and really share that benefit, that sort of self-interested mental, physical health benefits that we get from being a Rotarian. There's nothing to be ashamed about. It. It's it's no. a wonderful thing. So we need to get out there and tell that story.
0: Well, and I want to, we should most definitely. And I want to. I want to back up a little bit to the first part of our conversation where you kind of, let out a quick thing about writing this book because you felt over the last five or six years, we've had a, I'll 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 paraphrase and say like a trust gap mm-hmm. in our world. Could you explain to us a little bit about what you mean by that? Because that that makes perfect sense to write a book called The Trusted Way if we actually have a trust gap. What's happened to our trust in your opinion?
1: Well, I mean, you just look at certain things that can be backed up with data. Um, and Which I won't whether, quote
0: you on because I, I, you know, I messed up mine. So don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, there, <laughs> there, there, there's, a, there's Buy a, the book, get the data. <laughs> yeah, there,
1: there, there is a lot of evidence uh, of certain things happening in the world, you know, from global warming onto other other things, um, just like macro issues, the public health situation right now. And people are not, Debating the merits of the argument as much as just saying, "No, this is right, this is wrong," and there's no, there seems to be no trust in a in collective solutions that there's no or a lot, not enough of uh, faith in sort of looking at things as they are and then making rational decisions. And I think that that really stems from people being dug in and not having a standard to really look at things more objectively. And I think that that is really to have trust. I think you need a certain amount of objectivity. And I think that that's lacking. And I think anything that engages people in that that thought process is good. And it's not that everything in the four-way test is easy or even applicable. I've been speaking about this in different countries. Last week, I was in Thailand, India, and Scotland speaking to groups of Rotarians virtually. And every single one of them that I talked to had problems with that you know that fourth principle. You know, will it be beneficial to all concerned? And a guy in India said, "Hey, I'm a lawyer, and if I get the death penalty, and the guy uh, that I'm uh, going up against is going to be executed, I mean, that's certainly not beneficial to him." <laughs> and so, like, this doesn't make any sense. And I got right. a similar sort of thing from another country, and it's like, you know, whether you take take on that case, you know, all the merits of that case. You know, was he guilty? Was There's a judicial process going on. But the very fact that we're having a conversation about benefits and you're kind of weighing the pros and cons, and, you know, in this case, a judicial decision was made, I hope it was fair, um, there at, le- at least is a, a an attempt to be doing things in a way that is objective. And I think that's what the Trusted Way and that's what the four-way test is trying to communicate is that we need to measure things against something. And the four-way test in its simplicity, I think is a great measuring stick. Whether you agree with every single word in it, maybe not, and it might be not mm-hmm. your language, but at least have that inner conversation with yourself and with the other people that you know, and you're going to be in a better place. Decisions are going to be made that are going to be more grounded in a truth-based reality.
0: And I, I, I love the idea of that, I really do. I do have to say, though, that, you know, over the last five years, uh, the world has gotten very interesting, and I think um, I, I find myself wearing my pin more and more and more. And I think I do because Rotary is is non-political, non-religious, non political, non religious, non anything. It's just a civics organization. However, I believe. I will speak for myself that I have become more untrusted, untrusting, not i I hope I'm trusted, but untrusting over the last four years. And sometimes it can be triggered by seeing somebody in a red hat or seeing somebody with a certain flag mm-hmm. or seeing somebody. I mean, I, I found myself the other day, there was an older gentleman in front of me and he had a red hat on. And I immediately put up a guard. I self-admit that I am more of a liberal. And yet the person turned around not a few minutes after that. And they were wearing a St. Louis Cardinals baseball cap. Hmm. And it made me sit in the car at the gas station going, wow, I had already decided I was not going to trust that person. I had already decided I had already felt this like, bubbling up. It was an older gentleman. He had, you know, he had a a couple other stickers on his car that could or could not be associated with things. I think in some ways our American flag has been co-opted in some ways that it's like, if you have a flag in some way, people think of you as some way or, uh, and he turned around and like I said, he had a St. Louis Cardinals hat on, which is Hmm. red. And I I really had, I really had to do a little moment of, wow shame on me, you know? Yeah.
1: I think one of the benefits of being a Rotarian, I I live in a very liberal city. uh, And our Rotary Club probably has a quarter to a third of our members are not, you know, Democrats, they're Republicans, which is hard to walk into any room in Portland and find a lot of people in the other, you know, in the Republican Party in Portland, they don't tend to live in Multnomah County. And I've gotten to know them through, you know, working with them in service projects. And we've, occasionally we talk about politics. I don't agree with them necessarily. They don't certainly don't agree with me necessarily, but we're having a dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the biggest problems that we have in our country is we don't have these spaces where we come together with people who aren't like us. So, you know, I love having a chance. I, I haven't seen anyone wearing a red hat, but, you know, certainly there are people who have different allegiances. And I think that to build trust, we have to realize that we are just somewhere on the spectrum. And there are people on opposite sides of the spectrum who are very different from us. And without Rotary, I wouldn't have that opportunity on a weekly basis to meet people who don't share my politics. And I celebrate that. And I think I'm really lucky to have that opportunity. I think if more people in our country had that chance, we wouldn't demonize others um, and get mad because they were right hat. Because we realize, hey, I know some people that probably are politically aligned with this person. They're good people. They're serving the community. They just think differently.
0: Right. And I have to admit, you know, at, at the end of the day, people want three hots and a cot and their family to be safe (laughs) and their kids to get to school. And there just might be different avenues to get there. But so, so I guess what you're implying then in this book and this other thing is it's like if you have this four-way test and this wheel on your, on your lapel, that there's the trust that I, that that automatically gives somebody is that they're a Rotarian and they're willing to at least start from a, from a plane from a starting point and then from there we can go in all directions because there are things that are even bigger than we'll say party or bigger than religion or bigger than and yes. that's what the wheel and the four way test does for
1: us. Yes, I believe that. Um, you know one question I've heard you ask your guests in the past you know what is your big rotary moment and for me mm-hmm. it was going to the Rotary International convention in 2015 and being in the house of friendship and talking to people from Nepal and people from India and people from Africa and their projects and what they were doing. And I was more focused on the commonality that that I had with them than their differences, which were many. Politically, they were from high echelon social strata folks from their countries, Mm -hmm. yet there was this point of connection. So yes, I think that the, I think Rotary, I think the four-way test, I think it's a wonderful starting point of trust of the people that we're with, and then we can verify over time based on our association with them in our clubs or you know in the business world whether that trust is is uh, is valid. But at least it's it's nice to be starting out at that point, and I think that's right. what Rotary gives me is that opportunity to take it on good faith that that's their starting point. And for the most part, I have not been disappointed. I mean. Yay. Vast majority have not been <laughs> disappointed. Yes.
0: Yay. <laughs> so then I guess the question is, why did you write the book? Why do why do we need a book? like this? Why did well, you write
1: it? I'll, I'll tell you what, I've already achieved one of my biggest victories that I had in mind when I wrote the book. And that Please is... Please
0: don't say be your, that you were on my bot podcast.
1: <laughs> well, that, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's
0: it. You're done yeah. now.
1: Right. <laughs> Checkbox. You know, I, got, I got an email from a friend of mine who went to college with me. His dad was a Rotarian towards the end of his life. He uh, was only a member for about six years. And my friend had sort of put Rotary in the box of That's what my dad did when he was old. It was like this old guy's club. And I've talked to him about Rotary. He's very active in his career and in, 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 in the business world. So he read the trusted way. And I'm happy to say that now he is a proud member of Kansas city 13, the 13th oldest Rotary club. And the book, you know, kind of made him aware of just one of the many things that Rotary has, which is wisdom. And Mm -hmm. he said this, you know, this four-way test makes sense. And then we had a conversation about Rotary. So, um, I want it to be a great re- recruitment tool because when I was membership chair, <laughs> I was less successful recruiting for Rotary than I would have liked to be. Now I recruit people for Kansas City Rotary, which makes me very proud. And I just think that we have a great story and why not tell our story with a story? So this parable, I hope, gives a new freshness uh, uh, to Rotary that some people don't have right now because they've got their stereotypes and what have you.
0: Awesome. Okay. well, I do not officially own the book yet. I will have to go on on uh, Amazon. I assume that that uh, we can get the book anywhere. Is that true?
1: Yes, it's uh, Amazon print and Kindle. And we actually have an audio version that we're doing exclusively. So if they were to go to our website, they can get the audio version.
0: That's cool, and then I also hear because you know I need you to 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 brag. We just talked about bragging. You said a per, before we started the show recording today that even a percentage of it goes to Rotary. Is that is that yeah, correct?
1: Yeah, ten percent. And whether we're selling them at a club, uh, if I'm speaking, or whether uh, people are buying them on Amazon or the audiobook, ten percent goes to the Rotary International Foundation.
0: See, that's awesome. Well, the book is The Trusted Way. The author is my new friend from the Pacific Northwest, uh, Patrick Gal- Galvin. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Gwen. As a, as a listener, it's, a, it's an honor to talk to you. So thank you for having me.
0: Oh, thank you. And I tell everybody, we're going to put the links up on the book. We've got pictures that I that I sneakily take of of uh, Patrick while we were doing the interview today. We'll put the link out there, uh, even to the audio and uh, go check it out, because uh, I I agree with you, Patrick. I don't think we brag enough and uh, I don't think we and and I would love to think that reading a book could uh, could make sure that I'm trusting more in my world. (laughs) Let's
1: stop. Let's stop being the best untold secret.
0: Ah, there you go. (laughs) Amen, brother. (laughs) Let's stop being the best untold secret. Come on. And uh, let's trust it a little more. Those are my two big takeaways right off the bat. That and the fact that I'm linking on Amazon right now to buy my copy of The Trusted Way. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, I promised I'm going to put up on my website and my Facebook and all that kind of stuff where you can get his book, the uh, Patrick's book, The Trusted Way. So I promise to do that. And I trust that uh, if you have a Rotarian that I should know about like Patrick, uh, please, please. Let me know, RotarianPod at gmail.com. And of course, tell friends about the podcast, won't you? You can get it wherever you get your podcast these days. Tell a friend, get people bragging more about Rotary. It makes me really happy to brag about all the guests on my show. All right, then, I guess that takes care of me for now. Hey, if you want to hear the mu- more musical side of me, do check me out on the radio, Rotary Radio UK. Until next week, everybody, take care of yourself and the world around you. And I'll hear you next time on the I'm a Rotarian podcast. Have a wonderful week. Take care. Bye bye.